Alright guys, we're going to go ahead and start getting started. Settle down everyone, settle down, settle down. I understand, I understand, we're excited. Okay, cool, cool, cool. To those that are listening on the podcast, I am waiting patiently. Awesome. Thank you guys for uh, showing up to our Mark study. Um, For those of you that are new, I don't actually see anyone new, but I feel like I need to say this anyway. Um, We are continuing to go through the Gospel of Mark this summer. And every week we are picking two chapters. uh, One to give you a quick, like, survey of what's going down in the the passage. And then we find one spot where we we hit and we go through as an actual teaching. So if you want to go ahead and turn, it's in uh, Mark 3 and 4 today. We are talking about the parable of the sower, and uh, last week, just for a little bit of a a refresher, we uh, Drew challenged us to um, analyze what's going on in our hearts um, to see if we fit the bill of putting Jesus in that old wineskin. Like the whole like new wine doesn't go into old wineskin in the same way. We don't get to fit Jesus into categories for our purposes, but we let Jesus be Jesus. Today, we're talking about a pretty simple, it's kind of a simple story, and I feel like I don't need to be like, like trying to be profound. It is a profound story, but like, I'll just kind of let the story do the talking. Um, Jesus is teaching, and he walks outside. He's, he's in the middle of a crowd, and he tells a story, and the story goes something like this. There is a man sowing, for those of I'm, I'm going to be sowing seed over here, okay? Nah, it's fine. There's a man that goes out, and he's sowing seed. Ag students, you guys are all over this. You do this all the time, okay? And while he's sowing seed, some of it falls, maybe, on more grass. No, some of it falls on the path, and the birds come, and they eat it, and there doesn't even have any chance to start growing. Other parts of the seed, they grow on, hold on, they hit the rocky soil, and it springs up quickly, but when the sun comes out, there's no, it doesn't get a chance to produce a harvest, because it dies, it doesn't have any root. Other seed, Morgan, I want you to stick up your hands like this, okay? Okay? Hits the thorns. You did great. You did great. Other seed falls on the thorns. And as the seed is growing up to produce a harvest, the thorns grow alongside of it. And they don't kill the seed, but they prevent it from doing what it's meant to do. And then others, as the ones that I almost got, landed on the good soil, and it grows up, and it produces a harvest 30, 60, even a hundred times what was sown. That is our story today, and we're going to make our way there, but before we get there, I have one question that I want you to be thinking about, okay? One question, this, I'm trying to answer one question in this. What is the purpose of the gospel in your life? What is the purpose of the gospel 
in your life? That is the question we're going to be asking today. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started on Mark 3. So, pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to come out here, um, to be with uh, the church, to be with uh, the younger believers. Um, God, we thank you for your word that you've given us, that you've placed in our lives. And we just ask that you would continue to grow in us, God, that you would grow deeply, that you would allow your gospel to grow deeply, and that you would allow it to produce richly. Um, God, this is what you call us to. Um, This is what you made us for, to be gospel people. Our identity is based on you, and I ask that you would just reorient us around your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So for those of you that aren't there already, go ahead and turn to Mark 3. And I just want to kind of go through this quickly, okay? So Mark 3, remember last time, Drew ended the session with uh, the first major conflict with the religious leaders. Uh, Jesus intentionally healed a man on the Sabbath um, to show them that God does not operate by their rules, but God's kingdom is coming and it's going to do what God wants it to do. And then... After that, uh, we're, we're going to get to a second major conflict later, but uh, after the, uh, the first conflict, the crowds start coming to Jesus, and there is a boat there. I, Mark felt the, the need to say there's a boat. Some commentators say that that's important. I, you can write that down if you want. There's a boat. It comes back up later. I'll let you decide. The crowds start coming to Jesus, and He's healing, and He's teaching them. And then in the midst of this, as, he, as his teaching ministry is going, he draws his disciples up to a mountaintop, and he makes 12 apostles. So for those of you that aren't super comfortable with the Old Testament, this is a clear reference to Exodus. Okay, God, in Exodus, brings his people out, the 12 tribes of Israel, brings them to a mountain, and he consecrates them as his people. God makes his people, his covenant with them, and then he leads them into the promised land to be the types, to be a nation of priests. Their one role, if you can call it a role, their one job as being people, the people of God is to represent God to the nations, to show them what the covenant community is supposed to be. Okay? That's what happened on the mountaintop. Now, what's interesting, if you want to look at Mark 4, uh, verse, sorry, Mark 3, verses 13, and you just skim your eyes through that, uh, specifically verse 20, it says, Then he went home, and the, gra- and the crowd gathered again. And what I want to just point out is what's not there. Okay? Mark just kind of says things and doesn't give you any insider information. Just says it and moves on. For a Jew of the day, they would have said, Oh my gosh, Jesus is trying to reenact Yahweh, what he did with his covenant people with the new apostles. That would, that's what they would have saw. Mark just says, they went on a mountaintop, he made them his apostles, and they went with him to preach and cast out demons. So just keep that in mind as we're going from now on. Um, that's kind of what Mark's style is. Matthew likes to give you the insider information. This is fulfilling Malachi. This is fulfilling etc. Mark just says, they come up on a mountaintop, and we move on. Okay? And then we get to the second 
major um, conflict with the religious leaders. Verse 22. Um, you can go ahead and skim through this. This is where the uh, famous passage with Abraham Lincoln comes from. A house divided against itself cannot stand from the Civil War. Um, if you want to sum it down into one thing, the religious leaders, they basically call Jesus a liar. Jesus, in Mark 1, he, his whole ministry that he's trying to do is he's trying to proclaim the kingdom of God. Mark 1.15, he says, I've come, I've come to announce good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. And the religious leaders, they say, you aren't who you say you are. Like, you're healing people, you're doing all these things, but it's not, it's not bringing about the kingdom, it's not bringing about uh, God's power, it's, it's demonic, whatever. They're just bringing skepticism to it. Um, and, this is, and this statement is one of the ones that kind of scared me as when I was a, a student um, growing. I guess, so I was raised in the church, and I always had this statement that, was, that scared the crap out of me growing up. Um, let me find it for you. Verse 29, okay, 329. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Ugh. You know? I've always, I was a kid, and you grow up in church, and you hear that, and you're like, oh my gosh. I, I mean, sometimes you kind of treat, like, sin, like, you know, like, it'll, it'll be okay, I'm forgiven, but like, man, what if I, like, what if I did that? What if I committed the one sin that's not going to be forgiven? Um, if that's you, and you're, and you're worried about that, I just want to say that there's a lot of interpreters that say, it's not, it's not like one of those one-and-done kind of things. Um, interestingly enough, like one of the reasons why we, we choose that is the Holy Spirit's role in your life is to get you to the place where you don't act and speak against the Holy Spirit. So it's not... Most interpreters that I've heard, they talk about this as a, uh, as a continuous rejection. So we have people... The religious leaders have just rejected Jesus. And then if you want to scroll down a little further, mine's in verse 31 and in verse 21. His family is also rejecting Jesus. They come and they say, He is out of His Jesus-loving mind. Okay? I thought it was going to be a little funnier, but we'll roll on. It's okay. Thank you. Come on, guys. Come on. Give me some love. No. His family rejects Jesus. And in that statement, with both, both his, the people, the religious leaders who were supposed to accept him, they were, supposed to, they were leading the people of God for God, they miss God. His, family, his own family rejects him too. They say he's insane, and they try and come and get him. It's in that statement, it's in this moment where Jesus makes a statement, For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. And that's kind of the reason why we like to talk about family. Like, we like to talk about each other as a family. And so, I don't know what your background is with the church, but uh, I hope that based on, like, this statement, that you stick around with us long enough to where we get to represent that to you. But Jesus is just rejected by both the religious leaders and the, his family. And then we move on to the parable. And the parable is also one about rejection. So I hope you can see how that ties right into it. If you want to look at chapter 4 just as, a, as kind of an overview, and ignoring the last paragraph, okay, the one that says, Jesus calms the storm, I just want you to take that, and we're just going to punt that into next week. Okay? 
because if you look, you see four back-to-back parables, each one dealing with the agricultural kingdom of God. So ag students, once again, you guys are like, you're like in the kingdom of God, okay? Three of these parables talks about seed. The kingdom of God is like a seed. So you saw me going around scattering it sometimes, maybe getting it, maybe not. It's kind of interesting. I mean, it's like, okay, it's fun, silly. But then when you say, that is what God chose to speak about, the kingdom of God. It makes you just say, okay, like why did he choose that? Luke records 24 parables. Mark records seven. Two of those are like any kind of significance. So four, the parable of the sower, which is where we're going to go in a second. Two of those are decent length. The rest are just those little snippets. Like, like why? Why, when God chooses to speak of the kingdom, He speaks of it as a seed that's sown. And with right here, verse, uh, verse 26, a seed that's sown and the kingdom is growing without the man doing anything. He just goes and he sows it. And day in, day out, it's growing. Or, verse 30, the parable of the mustard seed. It's not just any type of seeds that's sowing. Jesus chooses to describe the kingdom of God as the most insignificant of seeds. The smallest seed that can be sown, but it, it becomes the biggest plant, the most magnificent plant in the garden. That's how Jesus chooses to describe the kingdom of God. And then the other one, it's not actually the seed metaphor, but I feel like we should talk about it anyway. It's like a lamp that is meant to be set on a table so that everyone can see its light. That's what Jesus speaks about the kingdom. And then we have our parable of the sower that I'm about to read in a second. But before I do, I want us to do a little bit of an activity, okay? So you guys are going to have to work with me here. I need three groups, okay? I'm just, I'm, I'm going to break you up. Rachel and, now Alyssa, I want you in the other group, okay? You guys are going to be one group, okay? You guys, not Morgan. Morgan, you're going to be in here, Okay. <laughs> You guys are going to be second group, and you guys are going to be my third group. Just the men plus Morgan. It's going to be awesome. Yes, you have to stay with them. Okay? I'm going to read the parable one more time, and what I want you guys, let's see. I want you guys over here to tell me the parable again in as simple language as possible. Like, you just, like, like what is the parable really dumbed down? Okay? One or two points, I don't know. I'll let it be up to your creativity. You guys, barring Rachel, you're over there. Um, you guys are going to sum up the parable for me, okay? So if you can break it down into one or two things, so like I'll, I'll give you a hint. Like you say, the kingdom of God is, and then you'll, like, you'll think of whatever for like two or three minutes, okay? So don't, we're not going to spend too much time here. And then you guys, my guys... My guys, you guys are going to make a modern retelling of this parable. Okay? No, I trust you guys. I trust you. Okay? We're not really in ag school here, so if you were to tell the same kind of concepts today, how would, you, how would it go about in Stillwater, Oklahoma, in the time they're in? Okay? 
You guys got it? It's going to happen either way, so I hope it goes well. Mark 4. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd about him, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. There's that boat again. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into the good soil, and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, and sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I'm going to go ahead and go to the explanation underneath it, too. So there's this little brief spot that we're going to end on later. But then Jesus says, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. The ones who, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root within themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately fall away. And others, and the others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. That is our parable for the day. Break up into groups for the ones that I gave you real quick, and I'm going to give you like, like two minutes, two or three minutes, okay? You guys got it? Cool. Okay, yeah, real quick. Simplified story. Okay? You guys are breaking it down into one or two things the kingdom of God is like, and then you guys are giving me that modern retelling that I am trusting your creativity for. Awesome? I know, I'm so sorry, guys.
For those of you that are listening on the podcast, I'm giving them two minutes, and then I'm going to hear their beautiful explanations. I am not nervous at all, because we have some creative students, and I hope it goes well. One more minute, guys. Got it. All right, 10 seconds. Go ahead and start winding it down. Okay. Okay. I'm excited. I've been waiting all week to hear what you guys come up. I have full faith in you guys, especially you guys. Okay. All right. Who's uh, who's my? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So the simplified version is we just said that it's like the gospel demands response, and like it's like this reckless throwing of the seed, and um, just that like all the different responses to the gospel are covered here. Okay. All the different response. The gospel is sown, and people respond in different ways, and just for the sake of. Yeah, you got it. I promise you. The kingdom of God is like, you've got it, okay? And there's two responses. Ultimately, there's people who accept it and produce fruit, and there's people who reject it for whatever cause, either desires they have or, or whatever. You know the parable, but I can't give you the answers. Okay, you guys did awesome, by the way. Awesome, awesome. You guys, what do you got? The kingdom of God is a response to the word. The kingdom of God is is a response to the word. I love it. No. I thought you guys did amazing. Kingdom of God is a response to the word. It's an acceptance to Jesus in this story. Jesus is the one that's telling it. It's an acceptance and it's a production. Okay? You guys did awesome. A response to the word. A positive response to the word. Awesome. My guys. Uh, we came up with a scenario, uh, a 
I like it. Okay. Um, to make this story work, you have to understand that uh, polygamy is accepted in this story. <laughs> <laughs> and she now has four boyfriends. <laughs> uh, so, boyfriend number one. I love this so much. <laughs> Yes, barefoot. Yes, that's the guy. I love that. I love that. I love it. They took they took the allegorical approach. They said they had the same meaning, and they just they just flipped it with chicken. I loved it. You guys, you guys think it works well with them? Okay, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, like we said earlier, Luke, sorry, Mark records seven parables, and this is one of the two major parables. There's two points that I want to make further for this parable, and they're both kind of meta. I, I want to, I'm, I'm gonna use the word meta for both of them. Um, the first is that this is a parable about parables. Okay? Jesus is telling a parable about parables, about why he speaks in parables. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read that section in the middle for you with uh, the secret. Um, if you want to look at verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and in, may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. What? I don't know if you guys heard that. I'm going to just repeat it. They may hear, but not hear. They may look, but never actually see, lest they turn and be forgiven. That's the secret. And I want to end with that later, so just keep that in your minds. But Jesus, Jesus, it gets a little meta when you think Jesus is going out and he's telling them a story about a man going out and, and telling them a story or giving them a message. And if you remember, there's, there's really just two types of soil here. There's the ones that accept it and produce, and there's ones that reject it for whatever reason. The one, like the chapter preceding, like it was just full of people who rejected it. His family rejected him. The leaders rejected him. 
they're kind of like the hard soil that doesn't even get the chance to grow. And then, later on, the disciples, they're going to fall away. They receive it with joy, but there's some kind of misunderstanding with what happens. There's, they thought the Messiah, they thought Jesus was supposed to do something, and He doesn't, and they run away, they turn away from Him. Okay, That's like the rocky soil. In the thorns, um, I know at least one moment later, it's the rich young ruler, he comes and he, and he is on fire. And he's ready to do whatever it takes. And then Jesus says, okay, if you truly want to follow me, go and sell your possessions. And, and he walks away. There's some other desire there that prevents him from accepting the gospel and producing. So this is a parable about parables. The other thing that I think is kind of meta is... This is one of those moments in Scripture. I mean, you could, you could make the argument that Scripture is always doing this. But, like, here at, when we're teaching, we come and, and we, we exegete, which is a fancy word for we interpret what is being said. This is one of those rare moments in Scripture that is interpreting you. Okay? You are the ones hearing words, hearing the gospel. And just like the people in Jesus' day, no, we don't think this was aimed at you, but like, like what are you going to do? How are you going to respond? Are you going to respond like the people in Mark who just flat out reject Him for whatever reason? There's some hardness there, they, they just reject Him. Or are you going to be the ones that respond with, with shallow faith based on some kind of misunderstanding of what the Christian life is going to be or... Um, I don't know, some kind of expectation that you had that, that wasn't fulfilled, is that going to be you? With the third one, in the thorny soils, it's like, are there some kind of desires inside of you that really have no place there at all? Like, if we boil it down, the parable is trying to say one thing, your purpose is to be gospel people, gospel identity, who accept it and they do it, they live by it. A lot of times, we like to talk about some of the desires. I know whenever riches, whenever wealth comes up, that's kind of ironic talking to college students um, about wealth. And Maybe I should start talking about all the time you have. Some of you have a crazy amount of time. Some of you don't. Um, but like, like, we like to talk about these things as if like, they're kind of okay. Like, honestly, like, they're, they're kind of okay. But I can't help but see other moments in Mark where, like, like I, I come back to the rich young ruler. Like, Jesus doesn't seem to be, it's kind of okay if you love two things the same. If you have the gospel, if you're seeking the gospel, but you're also seeking your own kind of, like, king, you're trying to build your own kingdom. Jesus wants us to interpret ourselves. Now I want to move on to a second activity. No, don't worry, you're not going to have to do near as much as last time. But you will have to raise your hand, okay? Very, and I'm watching all of you guys to see who raises your hand and who doesn't. If what I'm saying is true, and if this is a moment in Scripture where we are called to interpret, I just want you to be a part of the interpreting process give a little bit of practice, a little bit of steps of what it means. Like, if I'm looking at things and saying, what kind of soil do they fit in in light of the parable? Okay? So you're taking the parable, and you're just interpreting these case studies, if you will. Okay? So, first one. 
I'm going to say, say this thing, and I'm going to say, who thinks it's soil one? And you're going to say, raise your hand. Okay, so on and so forth. I'm watching you guys. First person. One person, he grows up, or she, grows up in church. And they're, they're good, they're good people. Um, they know the Bible a little bit, you know, I mean, they just grew up. Maybe they listened, maybe they didn't. Honestly, it doesn't really matter. Um, but what they don't recognize as they're growing up is that never once have they had to make one intentional sacrifice for the gospel. It's just kind of been smooth sailing. They've just been like good people, okay? Grew up in church, no intentional sacrifice. Who, get in your minds, soil one, soil two, soil three, who thinks it is the hard-hearted soil, okay? Do not, this is a a democracy, if you, man, I think that's it, okay. Are we following? Do I need to go back over it again? Hard-hearted soil, shallow faith soil, and thorny, different desires happening soil, okay? Okay. Hard-hearted. Hard-hearted soil. Who thinks it is the shallow faith soil? Okay. Okay. I like it. Who thinks it is external desires? The thorny soil. Yeah, be proud about it. No shame here. I like it. Okay. Second one. One person comes to a, I don't know, a college ministry. They heard the chicken is amazing here, okay? And maybe barefoot wine, that's, I didn't say that, they said that. They find great friendships, and they plug in, and man, they just catch fire. But then they graduate, or maybe they get older, and the community that they had doesn't really work as it once did. And they kind of just fade away. Who thinks that person is the hard-hearted soil? Who thinks it's the shallow faith soil? Okay. Who thinks it is the thorn, thorny soil? External desires. Okay, majority saying external desires this time. I got it. Next one. One person is hurt deeply by the church. Maybe it's valid, maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe it's their perception. Maybe it's an actual thing that they're hurt deeply by. Um, they let their bitterness towards that person or towards that, that one body or whatever happened then, um, they let that bitterness overrun other aspects of their life and they end up turning bitter towards the gospel as well. Who says soil one? Hard-hearted. Okay, who says uh, shallow faith? Okay, no shame. I'm proud of those. Who says uh, desires, external desires? Okay, I'll go. I'll go one more. A girl doesn't really matter. It's a girl. Let's make it a girl. A girl faces serious discontentment in their life, and. Maybe it's social life. Maybe the friendships they have don't working. Kind of like sounded like another one. Uh, maybe it's their job. Maybe they thought they they thought they'd find some kind of meaning out of the work they did, and and for whatever reason, it's not cutting in those moments. And 
the discontentment they find over their, their job or their social life or, or whatever, it bleeds over into other areas as well. And they just end up being jaded, disenfranchised, disenchanted, dis whatever. They're just they're just dis they're just jaded. What kind of soil do you think that is? Soil one? Okay. Soil two. Okay. Soil soil two? Soil two? Soil three. Honestly, the point isn't to give you this person is acting like this in this moment, okay? If there's one point that I can make from all these little case studies, these honestly not made up case studies, just from being in college ministry for a little bit, you'll start to see lives, maybe even your own life that goes like that. Um, the point is, isn't that, is not to tell you which one's what, but... In my opinion, based on this text, I think that each soil falls under the category of unproductive. That each life failed to recognize the two things that this parable is trying to tell you. The one, that your identity, the gospel is aiming at your identity. The most foundational parts of you. Like that kind of stuff that you laying in bed at night and you're letting your mind wander or as you're thinking back through the different slights or things you wanted during the day like they didn't let the gospel penetrate even there and the other thing that I think this parable is trying to say and that those people missed out on is that they have missed the mission they missed the mission that the gospel came with to be people who grow deep roots and produce fruits. Roots and fruits. If this parable is saying one thing, it's saying, at least to me, be on mission or you will eventually watch your faith die and become nothing. That is what Jesus is trying to get us to say, to get us to analyze. What is the purpose of the gospel in your life? That is the question. I want to end with that last moment, that last, uh, that middle segment that is tucked away between the two parables. Jesus describes the secret of the kingdom of God. He says that, I'll read it for you again. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but never see. They may hear, but they're really not going to hear. Otherwise, they would turn and be forgiven. Jesus is clear, like he is in Mark, and we get to see the irony in Mark. The secret is that the kingdom had already arrived. And part of the secret is, at least for the parable, that God really isn't surprised by who accepts it and who doesn't. It's not a surprise when you sow on, on rocky soil and it doesn't grow. It's rocky soil. It's the path. It's not meant to grow on the path, but it's meant to grow on the good soil. The secret is not a mystery to be solved like, like a riddle. 
it's not a, a paradox, although there are parts of the paradox. We do like talking about paradox in theology. I believe that the secret of, of the kingdom is that it is a reality to be lived daily and that it is already a part of your life. Jesus had already brought the kingdom. It was in their midst and some aren't going to accept it. The kingdom of God is in your midst and just like in the parable, I want to give you a challenge, okay? This is the kingdom of God and has been sown into your life. I want to challenge you, Morgan. Just kidding. I just like picking on you. <laughs> to go and sow the love of God into different places as you go this week. To go and sow redemption. You are people that are supposed to be redeemed. Go and sow peace. Be people of peace based on the peace that God has given to you. You're meant to be a gospel people. Get into your identity and to produce. That is your mission this week, to go and sow. And I hope you do it. Your harvest is coming. Go and sow. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the words that you've given us. God, we thank you for um, all of our past experiences that, uh, that you have given us, both good and bad, and what you're doing in those to uh, redeem them, God. We believe that you have given us redemption and that you mean to redeem every part of our lives. I pray that you would help both myself and my fellow brothers and sisters here be people on mission that lets the gospel get to the deepest part of our identity. God, I ask that you would break through to who we believe we are, and may that, at wherever that part is, may that be gospel. And I ask that you would set us on fire, or that you would, that you would produce fruit, that you would make us the type of people that go out and live on mission to bring that same kingdom, that same redemption to others. I ask that your presence would be with us, and that it's your power we operate by. It's in your name I pray. Amen.